0: Have you ever wondered, what's the deal with the Nobel Prizes? Who are
1: all these people? And why should I care? I'm Maggie. And I'm Quinn.
0: And this is Nobelis Oblige, the podcast where we rank and review all the Nobel laureates from 1901 until we run out of people. Join us as we make our way through some of the most influential scientists, writers, and leaders of the 20th and 21st centuries. In the process, we'll explore their work, their impact on society, their personal lives, and more. And
1: most importantly, we'll see if they have that erudite mystique, that academic rigor, that sense of Nobel S.O. Bleed.
0: ranking 76 we're ranking 76 heroes and villains of the american west i'm eric and i'm matt and we just finished meriwether lewis and today we're gonna move on to sacajawea which might sound like a lot of rehash and i'll be honest it kind of is but it's kind of it's from a much different perspective so uh, there is a little bit a little bit it's different.
1: from the perspective of a 15 year old pregnant gal whose husband was a douche.
0: You're not far off. Charbonneau has had a, we'll say interesting uh, character development. Let's go with character development. Reputation is probably the best way to say it.
1: His name is Pierre S. Charbonneau. Uh, troussant
0: His son is Jean Baptiste. I think... You almost Jean Baptiste. Very snobbish. I am from Lefranc. He's actually from Mandan. <laughs> 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 Very North Dakota. <laughs> <laughs>
1: hey,
0: don't you know? Way. We're gonna go.
1: It's the it's the winners up there, don't you know?
0: It's uh how do you do a French accent in North in like North Dakota, South Dakota accent?
1: Hey, don't you know we live? <laughs>
0: oh, <laughs> oh. part Russian. bonne Bonjour français. Corn? I don't know. That was very weird. I don't know. I don't know how we would do it. Poor John Baptiste is very confused on what nationality he is.
1: There's got to be more, going back to what you said about um, a rehash, there's got to be more to her story since, you know, by the time they finished the journey and got back, she was what? 17,
0: 16, 17? 16? 17? There is some debate, but we'll, we'll cross into that. But I did leave out a fair amount of information just in the Lewis. And because honestly, there's a lot on the core discovery we didn't cover. Now you would think it's only a trip to the ocean and back. How much is there? There's a lot of rehash because it's really is the same journey, but you have so many different perspectives on it. Uh, it's juiz is just one of them. Remind me what tribe she's in or came from Uh, the Lemhi Shoshone. And then she was kidnapped, but let's let's go into that because honestly, there's not much on her the early part of her life, but we're gonna we'll see Sajuwea may have been born in seventeen eighty eight so that's how we're starting out.
1: I always love when we start out a figure by they may have been born with at may have been this time,
0: yeah. You, it's kind of a pick your own adventure. So, 1788, yeah. Pick a month. What do you want her birthday to be? Go ahead. Um, let's say May 26th. May 26th, 1788. Stamp it. Put it on her, her on her uh, gravestone. She was born into a band of the what will be called the Lemhi Shoshone. Lemhi is actually a Mormon name that they gave them, so that's going to come out later, but. For our sake, they are the Lemhais. Uh, There is no confirmed birthplace, but she was born probably around the Continental Divide or modern-day Idaho. Uh, like I said before, there's a criminally a small amount of information on her life. Or, the tribe she grows up with probably has something to do with they were constantly raided and murdered pretty much her entire childhood. So... Little is not a fun her. childhood. Oh, it's just great. In fact, the earliest like entry we can have on Julia, where it talks about the early part of her life. It's actually uh, Lewis's journal entry while they're on the trip. After that that's the earliest. that is not the earliest mention of her, but that's as far back as we can go in her history without a lot of this may have happened. This kind of happened. Wow. So the first like really documented moment of Sacagawea of Lewis's journal entry, he writes again, he's already met Sacagawea and they're actually near the North Dakota, Montana border. And he basically just points out this is where she was taken when he wrote, quote, our present camp precisely on the spot. The snake Indians were encamped at the time. The Hidatsa of the Snipe River came in and sight five years since. From hence they retreated about three miles up the Jefferson River and concealed themselves in the woods. The Hidatsa pursued, attacked them, killed four men, four women, and a number of boys, and made prisoner all the females of the of the four boys. Sacajouia, our Indian woman, was one of those prisoners taken at the time. That's that's kind of all we have on her childhood.
1: Bleak, coming from a guy that didn't even get to see it.
0: <laughs> Yeah, it's, and it's really just, Sacagawea pops up like when she just starts recognizing things. So for her to just point out, hey, this is possibly where my family was murdered and, and I was taken capture. Real fun moment for her, I'm sure. So as we were talking, Sacagawea would go on to describe to the captains that Sacagawea ran up the, up the river as far as they could to get away from the Hidatsa but eventually they do capture her, and she is kept in slavery for about a year. Again, not much is known what happens during that year, but she would have had to experience being in one of probably the poorest tribes in the country to the Hidatsa, which were one of the more wealthier tribes of the reason. So there's this interesting little dichotomy of we were very poor, but even as a slave, she might have had nicer things. Now, that's speculation. But that's kind of what we have to go off of at this point.
1: That would—that's a very weird, like, uh, thought to, to right.
0: process. I was born into poverty, but then this really rich family took care of me. So, but still kept me chained up, right? But this is somehow better. Is this better? I don't know if this is better. Really weird for a ten-year-old to process. Living along the Knife River, the Hidatsas traded a lot with French-Canadian fur traders. One of those fur traders' name was Troussaint Charbonneau, who was around the camp around this time. Charbonneau had been born in Montreal, Canada around 1767, and at a young age, he started working at the Northwest Company, but more recently started working independent. Now, there's debate on how he and Sacajubia met. Likely she was just exchanged, but there is the, there is the I guess, hypothesis that she may have been won in a bet. But I also couldn't figure out what kind of bet it was, which makes me tend to think that maybe she was just, you know, traded for some goods, which isn't better. Or actually, there's probably really no real difference. That reminds me
1: of um, Olive Oatman and her sister getting traded, bought, whatever, for, like, six goats, three things of this, five things of that, two horses. It's weird that they used currency, people as currency.
0: Right. And think of slavery. I mean, America does have quite a history with slavery, so you are thinking of them as property. They are quite literally a trade good. So, yeah, I don't think you're far off there.
1: Ah, that's just, it's weird, I guess, now now at times to think, like, to wrap your head around that.
0: Right. And even, I mean, think of Charbonneau, who is basically going to be gifted this young teenage girl. There's no good intentions there.
1: Right. And, like, I was just going to say, like, the, I would be like, no. (laughs) Right. She doesn't Uh, have that option,
0: though. I'm good.
1: Right. Well that's just it like she can't say no.
0: Yeah you're kind of just depending on I've already I've likely just seen my family murdered. I've just been living in slavery and now I hope this new guy he's going to treat me well but you don't know and in fact you're going up against a complete stranger who's not of your race who doesn't any speak anywhere near your language.
1: You can't communicate yeah.
0: So it's, it's ble- and she's you know, eleven, twelve at this point. Like, this is this is a girl.
1: Like you said, doesn't even know what's going on, really.
0: Right. Now, after being traded or given to Charbonneau, Charbonneau does take her on as a wife, and according to Hadassah customs, he likely left a gift. Ah, uh, to be, I will say this in heavy quotes, married to the young woman. Awful. Yes. Yes, it is. Uh, really uncomfortable is what it is. And then shortly she becomes pregnant. And this is where she starts meeting up with the core of Discovery. Uh, not Eleven, though. No, there's a couple years. You're right. So there is a couple of years that goes by where they're together. Charbonneau also has another wife that really isn't mentioned. So... She has a name. I can't think of it off the top of my head, but yeah, this isn't the first time Charbonneau has a teenage wife. Oh, so his
1: other wife is also a teenager. Also
0: young. I don't think he's young as Sacagawea, but I mean. Well,
1: and then who was like, yep, I'm going to get this 11 year old girl and then make her my wife. That's weird.
0: Yes. Yes, it is. Literally trading a property for. So she went from property to your wife. At what point does she have a choice in this? And the answer is, well, she doesn't. So,
1: Yeah, like if she asked him to leave, he would say no.
0: Right. Well, that's just you don't know because she doesn't speak your language. Maybe she doesn't like being what the Hidatsas. Maybe this is an improvement. So maybe we, we don't know. It's a real messed up situation is what it is. So now we're getting to the point where it's the winter of 1804 and the core of discovery come up to the Mandan villages. Charbonneau is out on a hunt, but when he returns, he must have seen that men are are building their winter quarters and asked to be introduced to them. He believes the expedition would be in need of an interpreter. And the enterprising Frenchman thought that he could at least be an asset. So he
1: saw dollar signs.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Essentially, yeah. You're going west. Uh, One of my wives actually is from out west. I wonder if they might have a need for us. Is exactly what he's thinking. He goes and makes an introduction to the two captains, Lewis and Clark, and says exactly that. I have a translator. Would you like us to come along? The captains accepted and told him that he could only take one of his wives. The wife he chooses is Sacagawea, which would make sense, because like we just talked about, she's, she's gonna from like there. Language. She's from there. She's likely the only person who has seen the Rocky Mountains before. So she she is obviously the pick. Have I'll be honest with you. I have no idea what happened to the other wife. Probably just stuck around the Mandan villages. Just no said, I'll stay happened. here. Yeah. I have no idea. Never looked, never occurred to me to look what happened to her. Uh, So I apologize for that. But what Sacagawea would do is she would complete the chain. So we talked about it pretty briefly in the Lewis and Clark and Lewis's episodes that Sacagawea would obviously be able to speak Hidatsa or Mandan or whatever language that they needed. She would then speak to Charbonneau, who would... Translate that into French, who would speak to Drouillard, to George Drewyard, who would then translate that into English for Lewis and Clark to talk. That was the most efficient way to do it outside of hand outside of sign language. Which is a lot to tit on pressure for a 15-year-old girl who right now is very pregnant.
1: And okay, so how does he communicate to her right now?
0: I mean, he's lived with her for about two or three years. So they, he, he's, he's found also, a way.
1: I I just didn't know.
0: Like, huh, he's like,
1: okay. So she's with this other, his other wife for two years. And then all of a sudden it's just like, all right, say goodbye to her.
0: So he Be is- gone. You. Yeah. I don't know what happens. That's another part that makes you feel icky that you don't want to talk about. But as far as Sacagawea is concerned, so she is Shoshone She has been in captivity for a couple years with the Hidatsa. Charbonneau has been an independent trader or just a trader for a number of years. So he's been interacting with these tribes. And as much as there is a difference between the languages, it's kind of like how... Oh, what's a good way to explain it? So you know how like people from Spain speak a different type of Spanish than than people from Mexico. Yep, kind of the same thing. Like eventually they evolve, and that's how they're able to communicate. Okay. So like there's there's words here and there that are different, pronounced different, that would cause obviously some issues. But and I guess if
1: he was trading with the people that had her, he probably already had some form of yes knowledge.
0: He knows how to speak with them. Like he, he would be able to communicate in that
1: language. I I didn't think of it. I didn't think of it like that. Because she was with that group for four ish years, three, four years, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, so. she was with them for a couple of years before she got uh actually I think she was only with them for about a year or so for Sharp now. But yes. okay. okay. Throughout the winter of uh, Fort Mandan through 1804 to 1805, the captains never really wrote down what Sacagawea looked like. So, pretty much a mystery. I know a couple years ago there was a coin of Sacagawea. The dollar we, we coin. Did, the dollar coin. Yeah, we don't really know what, what she looks like. So, they would comment that her skin was lighter than Charbonneau's other wife, but that's not particularly helpful. And they would say that she was small in stature. And when you think that the core of Discovery's purpose is to discover and write everything down in detail, obviously they're writing everything else down that just never occurred to them that maybe they would write want to write the description of uh, a very important translator that they're going to need. So it just never really happened. I guess to them, it didn't matter either because they just needed to get to the ocean and back. Who cares what everyone looks like? It's not like Sacagawea is the only one that doesn't get described. They just didn't describe any of the men and what they look like. So why would she be any different? Uh, There's really only one other mention, that by John Ordway that winter, saying that when she came to visit uh, them with a couple of buffalo robes on January 20th, He would write that Sacagawea fell ill, and Clark ordered York to give her some stewed fruit and tea, York, of course, being Clark's slave. Considering she is about to give birth less than a month later, you could probably assume the sickness was due to her pregnancy. In February 1805, Lewis is the one that is going to deliver Sacagawea's child. Quote, this was the first child of which the woman had, was born, and it was common in such cases that her labor was tedious and pain and violent. And yeah, I believe that. A very young girl giving birth in the middle of a North Dakota winter? Yeah, I bet it was pretty miserable and hard.
1: Yeah, I'm going to be honest. It's going to hurt.
0: <laughs> this ain't, ain't going to I don't know. Right.
1: I, this is, I, I, this might be the first baby I delivered. <laughs> Oh, this have you been outside? It's freezing.
0: <laughs> it's negative twenty outside. This is—you're not kidding. This, this has to be the first. What did he before.
1: walk into the room and go? Whoa, it's a little—it's a little nippy outside.
0: <laughs> yeah, my hands shudder. are a little cold. <laughs> oh. I just shuddered a little bit. Oh, oh I'm so horrified.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, jeers. It's like Captain Obvious, Captain Obvious, please come to the front.
0: Right. Mm -hmm. Well, also, obviously, giving birth. uh, I'm male. I will never experience what it's like. But can you imagine when you're that young and here's this dude you met a couple months before and probably like rolling up the sleeves? Like, well, let's give this a shot. What's the worst (laughs) that can happen?
1: Yeah, just rolling up the old sleeves. (laughs) How hard can it be, right?
0: I mean, I've seen cows do this. I just don't know. Got no
1: antiseptic.
0: Nope. Uh, I don't think they gave her rum, so she just had to deal with it. Oh,
1: my. Well, yeah, she's too freaking young.
0: Yeah, she is. So, obviously, with this really painful labor that Sacagawea is in, Lewis, unsurprisingly, doesn't know what to do. You kind of get the point that he's just kind of staring at her like, I, I don't know, have you tried pushing? Like, what do you what do you expect <laughs> me to do?
1: Oh, I thought you had an ulcer, I don't know.
0: <laughs> Lewis starts then speaking with an interpreter named Jesume. who says that he should administer a small portion of a rattle from a rattlesnake that you're just going to crush up. And you're gonna make some type of small potion, put it into water, and then she's she's going to drink it. Now, Lewis would then say, "Quote: Well, the medicine was whether the medicine was truly the cause or not. I shall not undertake to determine, but she had not taken more than ten minutes before she came forth. This remedy may be worthy of future experiments, but I must confess that I want faith in its efficacy." She may have been able to give birth after having this nasty mixture of a rattlesnake skin and water.
1: Yeah, it probably tasted so bad she was just like, bleh, 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 my stomach. Oh,
0: <laughs> please, please don't give it. You know, at least they didn't give her a of Thunderbolt because that was probably next on the list.
1: <laughs> oh, can you imagine just freaking crap everywhere? I don't want to imagine it. Thunderbolt. What's it called? Rush's Thunderbolt, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Rush's Thunderbolt, the laxative. And Ladies and gentlemen, just...
1: we all know what Russia's Thunderbolt <laughs> is.
0: <laughs> it's uh... Yeah, it's not great. It's incredible that Sacagawea wanted to come along after this because I'm sure she thought everyone was an idiot after. But anyway, she gives birth to a baby boy named Jean-Baptiste Charbonneau. Named after Charbonneau's father, Jean he, Baptiste, which is a pretty slick name, pretty sly. I think we oh, can all yeah. all agree that he had like sunglasses coming out, probably throwing up rattlesnake water. But that's you know not the worst. He would be given the nickname Pomp or Little Pompey, and he was also going to come along on the expedition. But now it's starting to get time to get serious, because Charbonneau, it's time to negotiate the contract. And we did talk about this in Lewis's episode, but just to recap, uh, he understands how important Sacagawea is to this trip. And Charbonneau really wants to dictate his own terms. The captain said that he would have to work as an equal with all the other men. And Charbonneau was like, nah, I'm good, bro nah that doesn't work for me um yeah
1: about that what was his what was his deal like he would just chill right the whole
0: time essentially (laughs) uh he didn't need to keep guard he didn't need to have the same rules as the other men uh he was just coming along he was gonna do his thing which honestly it's a good opening offer
1: (laughs) i mean hey what's the worst they could say right no
0: and they did. They sure did say no. <laughs> well, I tried, right? <laughs> they politely asked him to leave, and they would find someone else who can speak. Because keep in mind, they're surrounded by natives who probably could figure out the language. <laughs> <laughs> He's not the only person that they have an option. He's obviously Sacagawea is who they really want because they're gonna have to go meet that tribe.
1: But it's not. It's, she's not the end all, be all.
0: No, she's not well it would be I think if they would have take if they had the chance to just take Sacajuweia and not Charbonneau, I think they would have done it, and you I think don't think they would have thought about it before you think before all the he did all the stupid stuff,
1: did they not yeah, like think, him straight from the straight from the start?
0: Well, that's the debate because Lewis I don't know if Lewis doesn't like him now, I suspect he just never liked him. Lewis. Uh, was not a fan. Clark actually has a pretty good friendship with both Charbonneau and Sacagawea.
1: But Clark also spent a heck of a lot more time.
0: Well, they they tented together. Like, this is really, like, this five-some, I guess. So between Lewis, Clark, Sacagawea, Charbonneau, and now the, the child, John Baptiste, they did tent together. Like, they spent a lot of time together. It's just, you kind of get the... You get the feeling that Lewis was really annoyed by Charbonneau, and Clark was an actual friend. Well,
1: he's also yeah, but I mean, he did. To be fair, he almost ruined himself <laughs> a couple times.
0: We're not there yet. We're almost I know, there.
1: I know. I know. I was going to say we haven't got quite.
0: We haven't got quite there yet, but. But right now, Charbonneau is trying, probably thinking he's a real smooth negotiator, and is right now outside the camp. And actually, Charbonneau is starting to pack up, thinking he completely blew it. But just as he moves all of his possessions across the river away from the expedition, he, well, let's just give it one more shot. And he comes over and he says that he's sorry and to quote, excuse his simplicity. And just kind of, I won't say begs to come along on the expedition, but could you please reconsider your offer? Charbonneau pretty much eats everything that he said. He will work just like the other men. He will keep watch. Everything. He is an equal among the men. He is no better, no worse. And then the captains agree to keep him on. The expedition then spends the next couple of weeks digging out six canoes and they make th- that they make three foot wide out of some cottonwood trees along with the P-Rogues. Now, I think when I describe the P-Rogues in Lewis's episodes, I describe them as a big canoe, which they are, but they are more like they have a sail. If that makes sense. So a canoe with a sail. So you got a picture, just scale that up a little bit, just so that the next little bit that Matt alluded to makes a little bit more sense. Mm-hmm.
1: Canoe with a sail.
0: Canoe with a sail. Big canoe with a sail. On April 7th, they send the big keel boat, so they no longer have to take their pointy sticks and put it in the ground. They send that keel boat right back to St. Louis where they never have to see it again. Sacagawea and Charbonneau travel up the rest with the 33-man party the first night where they stop up and they make a tent out of buffalo skins. Quote, tied Indian fashion, 10 or 20 poles with Lewis, Clark, George Drouillard, Troussaint, Sacagawea, and Jean-Baptiste. They all camp together for the night. Jean-Baptiste is only two months old. Real young baby.
1: Crazy to me. Crazy to me.
0: To take a child in uncharted Hey, let's territory. go to
1: uncharted territory. Does it, it can barely open his eyes.
0: Family friendly. There's only like, I don't know, 5,000 grizzly bears. <laughs> and mosquitoes. And yeah, it's really dangerous. It probably shouldn't take taken a child there, but it's not like Sacagawea was going to leave him behind. And it's not like Sacagawea had really much of a choice, if we're being honest here. Second Juilla would then become more gatherer. Like, depending on what source you use. And there's one source I really didn't enjoy when I was making this episode to the point where I finished the book because it wasn't very long, but it was a real struggle because the guy who wrote the book was really pro Charbonneau. The man liked himself some true shot. And he really wanted to diminish what Sacajuia meant. So, Charbonneau's great, great cook, great guy. Let's have a beer with him. And Sacajuia was just kind of the campy teenager who was only helpful, I don't know, once or twice. So, that's what you're kind of battling. But initially, to start off with, Sacajuia is gathering up all of these roots that the men don't really know about that she is quite fond of. But anyway. When she would gather, she would say, they would, quote, When we halted for dinner, the squaw busied herself in searching for artichokes, which the mice collected and deposited in large hordes. This operation she performed by penetrating the earth with a sharp stick until about small collections of driftwood. Her labor soon bore successful as she procured a good quantity of these roots. So that's kind of her daily routine. She's not really expected to hunt. That's just what she's doing because she has a child to take care of.
1: Right. I mean, that's her first priority, right? But she's still doing stuff to help
0: out. Yes. She is less guide though. So I know we talk about her being uh, the guide. This is the area she's kind of familiar with, but let's be at Lewis and Clark are the ones really guiding this. Like they're the ones that are figuring out where to go. And honestly their tour right now, it's, just to follow the Missouri River to its source. Like, we're at that point. They just left the Mandans, entered the territory, but they're just following the river. So there's really not much reason or more much purpose for Sacagawea on what she recognizes just quite yet. When they're not in the canoe going up the river, Charbonneau and Sacagawea would be seen walking by Clark. Charbonneau developed a close friendship with Clark that we talked about, That would last literally until their dying days. Clark was also fond of Sacagawea, who he nicknamed Janie, and as we said before, Jean-Baptiste, who was nicknamed Pomp. Lewis, on the other hand, was, uh, well, not glowing. Perhaps it has something to do with that on April 1st, on April 13th, Charbonneau almost flipped a rogue for the first time. Now, we talked briefly about the You're second time, the first time, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we talked about before that most of the important objects in the expedition were transferred on the p rogue. Lewis believed that one p- rogue, which was labeled the white p rogue, was safer than the other two have no idea what the distinction was Lewis probably just I don't know did eeny meeny miny mo that one safe <laughs> maybe the other one had a big hole in the bottom of it I don't know but the white one was safer it was easier to steer so that's where they kept all of the really important things now upon thankfully the important things they considered uh Sacagawea and her child so they're on the safe p-rogue <laughs> Yeah. Life is important. Hip hip. <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> the downside is, if you're going to have Sacagawea and Jean Baptiste on the safe P-Rogue, you're going to have to have Charbonneau on that same boat. Well, if Charbonneau is equal to all of the other men, he's going to have to drive it from t- time to time.
1: Hey, he's one of the crew. He's one of the crew.
0: He is. Um, It should be noted, Charbonneau was born in Montreal, uh, has lived on the Great Plains for a good chunk of his life. Uh, not much water there, eh? Not not too much to <laughs> sail around. Eh? So Charbonneau, Charbonneau might not be the best sailor. I mean... I'm sure he was great at a lot of things. In fact, he was a really good cook, such a good cook. He was the opposite of a sailor. Uh, To give you an idea of how bad of a sailor he was, uh, he couldn't swim.
1: Hey, this, okay, so we're, we want to go on an expedition that's mainly on water. Done. I'm, I'm your guy. I'm your guy. Can you What's explain problem? to me what water is? <laughs> <laughs> how deep? Uh, how deep we talking?
0: <laughs> Missouri, I do not understand. What is this water? <laughs> uh, and, this...
1: and he has to drive. And he has to steer. Oh, no. <laughs> this I don't want to say.
0: I don't want to say this problem could have been being saw from a mile away, but... <laughs> I think when they negotiated that Charbonneau was one of the men, Lewis put him behind the rudder and was like, I'm sticking to this decision. We're not double thinking it. And then, hey, let's just go on because we haven't actually talked about what actually happened. But, uh, yeah. So on April 13th, they were gliding around with the wind in their favor. Hip, hip, hooray. That doesn't happen a whole lot. So they actually have the wind going against the current, and that's pushing them down. And then Charbonneau takes control of the rudder. They are about 200 yards offshore when a sudden squall of wind surprises him. And the pirogue turned completely on its side, and a panicking Charbonneau steered the sail into the wind so violently that the boat itself nearly overturned. What's on that boat? Just his wife and newborn baby. That's fine. George Drouillard uh, is able to actually save Charbonneau, and he grabs the rudder and stops it from tipping it over. So thank God for George Drouillard also on that canoe. Now, they would then make it a practice to not let the Frenchmen anywhere near the rudder for a couple of weeks. Because Lewis, after this event, described him as, quote, perhaps the most timid waterman in the world. And you know what? Fair. He is a tradesman. He is a frontiersman. He's not a sailor. We all have our strengths. His wasn't sailing. It's fine.
1: (laughs) On the sailing journey. On the sailing journey. But go on, go on, go on.
0: Are you saying that this might happen again? Have we alluded alluded to this a lot? I don't know if you know this. So, as we talked in Lewis's episode on May 14th, 1805, again, they're traveling along, and Lewis is walking on shore, which is pretty typical for him. Charbonneau and Sacagawea, among the other men, are guiding the P-Rogues. Where, again, Charbonneau is at the wheel, and you gotta think, for him to get the the rudder again, it had to have been, like, a really calm, peaceful day, like... They had to have think, only an idiot could mess this up, right? Oh, Nothing's gone wrong. Only an idiot. Only an idiot. Maybe even maybe even Charbonneau just thought, hey, guys, you know what? I screwed up last month. That's my bad. My bad.
1: <laughs> I've learned. I've learned. I swear I've learned.
0: But I think I can do it. Because I remember when I was like eight years old, I really wanted to drive my grandmother's golf cart because it was the coolest thing in the world. And about 10 seconds after my grandmother let me drive that golf cart, I may have driven it into a tree. But we're going (laughs) to pretend Charbonneau's ready up for the challenge. (laughs) And almost predictably, another sudden squall takes Charbonneau by surprise. Now, the more experienced sailors would have put the vessel into the wind. But Charbonneau, I don't know, either just kicked the thing or just, it sounds like he just started panicking and he started crying to whatever god that he prayed to. <laughs> oh, please, please, let it save me, please. <laughs> I don't, it's almost like it was a hot stove and he was not going to touch this. <laughs> <laughs> ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> what do I do? Will it fix itself? Will it do itself? Oh, God. Oh, God. It's not, don't know. I don't know. Hands I don't off. Know. I, don't know. I, don't know. I
1: don't know. I can't break it if I'm not touching
0: it. <laughs> Maybe he thought, uh, this was a Tesla that could drive itself. Hmm. Maybe. No, we're not. We're not
1: I, that. I, I put a, I, I tied a string around the, the, um, the steer. The is that, is, yes. The right. Thank you. Thank you. Looking for the word. I tied, <laughs> I, tied, I tied a string around the rudder. Does that, is that not what you're supposed to do when you want to take a nap?
0: Ooh, that would be juicy if he was taking a nap. You got to think, Sacagawea is like rolling her eyes, or like, "Hey guys, do you not? Do we not? We don't want him steering this. Like, are we sure? I have a small child. I I have more in more skin in this game. If this flips, <laughs> so anyway, the boat is uh, near sinking. Charbonneau was panicking, and the captains, in order to get the tension of the crew, i.e., and when I say the crew, I really mean Charbonneau. Uh, the captains are firing their rifles at the crew. <laughs> I think Lewis was just aiming at Charbonneau. Like, you know right. what? It can't get worse. Let's just kill him. Like, trying to
1: trying to warn you, and I accidentally <laughs> shot him. I don't know. Oops.
0: Sorry. <laughs> I guess Oops. that's the second person killed <laughs> that's died on this trip. But we don't need to talk about this one. <laughs> if it wasn't for Pierre Crozat, who was also on board, shouting at Sh- Charbonneau. To the point where he literally threatened to kill him.
1: I mean, there you go. He was shooting him.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Charbonneau, or uh, Cruzat is much closer than Lewis on the shore. <laughs> Keep in mind, also, Lewis, we talked about his episode, He's ready to, he's already throwing stuff on the ground. He's ready to swim out. They're like 300 yards away. So there's, there's honestly, there's nothing Lewis can do. It's Cruzat or the bottom of the Missouri River. <laughs> <laughs> So Krizat threatened the life of Charbonneau, and after about 30 seconds, and yes, all of this happened within 30 seconds, where you actually see, like, apparently the sail of the boat is literally skipping across the water.
1: Oh my god.
0: Just a pure panic. Once Krizat gets Charbonneau to calm down, then he's able to steer the rudder away into the wind. So the sail picks the boat out of the water. And then they just kind of, I don't want to say crawl back to the shore, (laughs) (laughs) but it was described that the boat was more underwater than it was above water. Now, Sacagawea during this whole time, again, has a child either in her arms or in a basket on her back. She's not only protecting this three month old child, she's also noticing hey, that looks like an important book that's floating away. Why don't I grab that? Oh, here's another important book. Let's grab that. If it wasn't for Sacagawea, the journals would have been lost.
1: And their entire trip would have been.
0: The first three months. Because remember, they made copies. They sent that back to Jefferson. That went back to the keelboat. But from the Mandans to this point, they would have been lost.
1: Right. And that's like a ton of information.
0: Yeah. If you think you're annoyed when you lose one work document, uh, imagine losing three months worth of work because someone wanted to sink your boat.
1: A guy that didn't know how to drive or steer.
0: Yeah. Now, they're running out of the Missouri River eventually. It's still a ways off, but uh, I, I didn't look this up, but I'm pretty confident that Charbonneau never drove the, the P Rogue again.
1: Oh, yeah, 100%. Absolutely not. In
0: which case, I have a conspiracy theory that Charbonneau did it on purpose so he wouldn't need to drive. <laughs> Maybe if I just prove I am an absolute inept idiot. Uh maybe I wanna need to do anything. Except Cook. Because apparently, really good cook. Oh, of probably, course. Probably probably a pretty good tracker, just he's not a sail he's not not a salesman. <laughs> he's he's not a sailor, which is fine. But he almost ruined the expedition. A very grateful Lewis would write of Sacagawea, quote, the Indian woman to whom I've ascribed equals fortitude resolutions with any person on board at the time of the accident, caught and preserved most of the light articles of which were washed overboard. End quote. That night, Lewis handed out a quarter pint of whiskey, probably because everyone really needed a drink after that day. Other than some wet books and some spoiled medicine, the knowledge of the expedition was saved, and six days later they named a river after Sacagawea. Probably like side eyed Charbonneau this entire time.
1: Lewis probably wept like, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you so much. He whispered in her ear, I tried to shoot him. I tried
0: what why you missed. Why didn't you? Kill him? <laughs> you we had our chance. <laughs> That's really what. Oh my God! This is a mystery novel. Someone write that alternative history.
1: Did you and I? Did you and I just uncover the greatest <laughs> conspiracy of the
0: Western? Oh
1: my God!
0: At the discovery. Sacagawea and Lewis were out to kill Charbonneau. Yes, because the idea was hatched from the first time. Everyone's got to think the idiot's going to do it again, right? Yeah. Oh, Lewis.
1: why else would they let him drive again? But no. One, uh...
0: I think we've cracked it.
1: They both wanted him dead. Any conspiracy theorists out there hit us up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> biggest nuisance JFK. <laughs> Just kidding. You JFK people are crazy. Uh <laughs> 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 oh,
1: Nice save. Nice save. <laughs>
0: I mean, did you hear? This is a sidebar. Did you hear that they're actually they were going to release a bunch of JFK documents about a year ago, and Biden pushed it back. Did they really?
1: Yeah. Dude, what if you, What if all the conspiracy theorists are right? That would be a oh, scary. you have a
0: you have a lot of men in basements right now wringing their hands.
1: <laughs> you have a lot of men in basements.
0: A lot of weird men in their basements (laughs) wringing their
1: hands. (laughs) Oh, man, you
0: crack me up. Anyway, back to Sacagawea. Weird conspiracy theories aside. Three days later, on May 17th, they are camping. And by they, I mean the captain, Charbonneau, Sacagawea, and Pomp. Are all in the same tent when they're woken up by the guard on duty saying that quite literally the tree above their heads was on fire. That's an alarm clock. In just moments, they were outside of the tent. And as soon as they were outside, quote, a few minutes later, we should have been crushed to atoms. They were almost crushed by a tree that was caught on fire oh my gosh so many things could have uh there were so many incidences and there's there's if anyone ever gets the opportunity like to read or to listen to the journals uh i know livervox somebody actually read all 120 hours worth of the journals it's massive. There are so many of these stories that I encourage you to go listen or read them because they're outstanding primary sources. Like they read like a novel. But yes, there's so many of these that when you list off, they could have just been crushed by a burning branch that fell on them. It's incredible. Only one person died. Over a month later, on June 10th, Lewis is scouting ahead when he is trying to find the Great Falls, when Sacagawea becomes sick with a high fever and severe pain in her lower abdomen. Now, do you remember what happened in this part of the story with Lewis? What uh, Clark's remedy was? Shing! <laughs> You're not far off. Yeah, he bled her. He cut her. He bled her. Uh, seems like he bled her an Awful lot to the point where she was twitching.
1: That tells me she almost died.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh sure she's twitching. Keep her bleeding. Keep bleeding. Oh, by the way, uh, where's that pain coming from? Her abdomen. Hmm. What's what medicine do we have on board that would deal with any type of abdominal pain? a damn I can't say that stomach pain what could they possibly give her
1: bring on the thunder
0: they brought the thunder So the you're you're telling
1: her. me they bled her dry and on top of that gave her a diuretic Yep You know that makes sense I would totally yep. totally mm-hmm. think that would be my next
0: Medicine's come a long way, hasn't it?
1: Good lord.
0: You will be surprised to know that over the next three days, uh, she gets much worse. Clark would describe her conditions as excessively bad, and then would continue that her condition was somewhat dangerous. And then probably bled her again. Actually,. That's not true because then he actually prescribes her some Peruvian bark and laudanum. Do you know what laudanum is? It is opium, isn't it? Yeah, it's opium. <laughs> so blood, diuretic, and now narcotics. <laughs> They're trying to kill this woman. They just don't know it yet. On June 16th, Sacagawea refused all medicines until Charbonneau persuaded to take something. But whatever Charbonneau wanted her to take, Clark wasn't impressed because Clark would even write, quote, if she dies, it will be the fault of her husband, as I am now convinced. But again, he doesn't say why. What to happened? Me, what happened? Well, to me, this sounds like Charbonneau was like, I don't what you're doing clearly is wrong. <laughs> like, he, you got to think. He cares for this woman, mother of his child. He probably was just giving her food because she needed food because she had literally no resources in her body anymore right so this i'm it's easy to poke fun at Charbonneau, but at this point, it's like, yeah, my wife is dying, and I think you're doing it so i'm I'm just gonna feed her. Thank you. So soon after Clark writes that in his journal, this is actually the part of the storyline where Lewis goes up front to find the Great Falls. Do you remember that part of the story? Yeah,
1: and he says they're back.
0: Yep, so Clark and Lewis now just do that effective tag team. Clark is going to go figure out how to ford across, and then Lewis is going to figure out basically how to nurse Sacagawea back up to help.
1: And yeah. she he... Did in like a few days or something, right?
0: Yeah, because uh, he stopped bleeding her, which was the absolute <laughs> best thing to do. Uh, and then they actually found a mineral spring that she's able to drink out of, which uh, after losing that much blood, yeah, you probably needed some minerals back in your body. Oh, yeah. But even he talks about the same complaints Clark did. Uh, because there's a part where Sacagawea starts getting better. She apparently had a very strict diet that Lewis wanted her to follow. And then Sacajuia was actually walking around camp. Everything's doing better. And then her and Charbonneau went out gathering food. She ate some food and then she got sick again. So then it all came back onto to Charbonneau again, as in why did you let her eat, I guess? They were very frustrated with Charbonneau.
1: He is an uh, interesting cat.
0: <laughs> He's somewhere between caring husband. Uh, uh, how do I want to say this? Caring husband. I uh, Do I want to say pedophile? Because I feel like pedophile probably fits. And uh, bumbling idiot.
1: Uh, definitely on the bigger on the buff, uh, bumbling idiot side. Yeah.
0: Yeah. After a few more days, Julia starts feeling better again. She's actually walking out with the men again. Uh, they're, they're going on. And by June 29th, she has recovered. The expedition is camping near the river. And again, this is the point where the expedition is like really hating their life for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> We're not at the Rockies yet, but we are basically stepping on rocky soil, prickly pears. This is where they're repairing their moccasins every other day. We're at that point in the expedition. So they're traveling along. They go hunting when York just notices this really large black storm cloud just off in the distance. They make note of it, think, you know what? We've dealt with rainstorms before. Rainstorms, we can deal with this one but they're going to go find some type of protection because this does look like a bad storm that's coming through in order to get protection for the elements. Clark spots a quote, deep gully above the falls. They would have she- They would have some shelter from overhanging rocks on the upper side to protect them. Uh, they were safe enough to even put down their guns. And then it started to rain light at first, but then Clark would describe it as, quote, the rain fell like one volley of water. Seems like it was a downpour in a hurry. And keep in mind, they're in a gully. They're on low land above a waterfall, if that made any sense. Thinking they had better get out of there because they start seeing a mixture of wood and water rushing towards them from above. They have just enough time to reach their rifles and ammunition as the water gets up to their waist. This was sudden.
1: So they picked the wrong spot to hide from the rain.
0: It seemed like a good idea to hide in a gully. (laughs) Until it was like a torrential downpour. Sacagawea has just enough time to pick up her son, and to carry him, who is literally naked as his cradle is being swept away by the tide. So Clark has his rifle in his left hand, and in his right hand, he is helping Charbonneau and Sacagawea up. Clark described Charbonneau as, quote, much scared and without nearly motion. So, again, Charbonneau, in the face of danger, is letting everyone down (laughs) at the worst possible moment. Again! And again, here, and I know we've said this a lot to the point where it's probably a drinking game at this point, but the teenage mother is calmly holding her child and going up the ridge.
1: I can just, I just, right when you were saying that, I I could picture (laughs) him just running around, freaking out, and her face is just like the stern, like, why is this my life? (laughs) <laughs> what why is this guy the father of my child? Yeah, you, you know what I'm you know what face I'm talking about. They're just <laughs> as you're getting just a torrential downpour, you're soaked from head to head to toe. You hate life, and then you just look around at your significant other and you say to yourself, God, that guy's an idiot.
0: <laughs> Do you think that if this was the Lion King and Charbonneau was playing Mufasa and Sacagawea was playing Scar?
1: No, Sacagawea would be playing Simba throwing, (laughs) the story's changed, throwing Mufasa
0: into the... Get rid of him. Actually, who's the mother? Who's the mother lion? Nala? No, that's the... No, that's
1: that's Simba's uh, wife. I, I can't, I don't know if it ever says her name.
0: I have no idea. But anyway, people know what we're talking about. The mother of Simba <laughs> killing Mufasa because he's a complete moron who panics under pressure.
1: Sliding uh, a couple animals to uh, Scar. Take care of it. <laughs> Please. Please, Stampede. And in this story, Scar is Lewis. The plot Only... thickens again.
0: <laughs> Only in this horror story, Charbonneau survives. He is a man who cannot be killed. <laughs> As they're escaping up the ridge, the water soon covers 15 feet deep where they were. Had they have been just a couple minutes later, they would have been swept away and they were a quarter mile away from a 90 foot fall. They would have all been dead.
1: All because of Clark.
0: Yeah, he picked a gully. He picked the the wrong time to go into a gully. So they get past the Great Falls, and Lewis now has his eyes on those Rocky Mountains that appear to be getting bigger, but they didn't seem to be getting closer. Quote, The mountains... They still continued high and seemed to rise of some places like an amphitheater, an amphitheater, one rank above another as they recede until the river, until the most distant and lofty tops are clad in snow. He's now starting to realize these Rocky Mountains. they big boys. Bigger. They're big boys. Uh, <laughs> we got to get we got to go find these Shoshone's like right now. So that's what they do. They book it as fast as they can. Again, this is the part of the story where it's getting late quick. They decide that Clark will re- will lead an advanced scout party. But before he goes, what was the magical word he asked Sacagawea for? Tababone! Tababone! Which he asked for the word for white man, or friend. And Sacagawea apparently looked at him all confused and was like, I don't know, tababone? Which more or less meant... Stranger, or even worse, can be translated into enemy. Whoopsie! <laughs> My bad. The party make good progress, and Sacagawea gives them good news as they start approaching the three forks of the Missouri River uh, in modern day Manta- Montana when she recognizes what is called by her people the beaver's head. So awesome. We just completely skipped the part where they had that big debate over which part of the Missouri River they needed to take. Well, this is proof that they're on the right course because Sacagawea is starting to recognize stuff. This is what's really important. This is why she's here to make sure that they're on the right track. So Clark goes ahead, Taba bone in hand, and he doesn't really find anyone. So he ends up coming back. Now it's Lewis's turn to go shout tababone at strangers. And he has a little bit more luck, but. And this has never been explained to me or to anyone why they didn't take Sacagawea, I will never understand.
1: I think we mentioned it in Lewis's episode, like the only one that can speak the language. No, you stay behind. We'll call for you when we want. Maybe it was uh, the baby. They didn't want to take her and the baby just in case or who knows. We'll never know.
0: That's what I was thinking too. But at the same time. Oh, no, because just...
1: the the baby in Sacagawea would have showed
0: them they were not. Not a war party. R- right from the beginning. Yeah. Now, maybe they thought she would slow them down. But at the same point. Uh, you you just took her across country. This is where you need her. To leave her behind is just stupid. <laughs> it's real dumb. I don't... They don't make a lot of mess-ups on the court. On, on the Well, election. unless
1: her husband said he had to go, too, and they were like, never mind. We'll take our chances.
0: That's probably true. The idiot factor of Charbonneau probably does come into it a little bit. So anyway... Sacagawea stays with the main body of the expedition as they drudge through the Missouri River. The men have become fatigued wading through the river waters, and they're now becoming more and more tired every day. On, March, on August 15th, Clark wrote, quote, The men compl- complain much of their fatigue and being repeatedly in the water, which weakens them as much particularly as they give, as they are obliged to live on poor deer meat which is a regular bitter taste. Basically, the men are just complaining a lot. (laughs) They They still have food to eat, but apparently the deer in this area were eating literal bitter roots, which gave their meat a bit of a bitter aftertaste, we'll say. And they're not happy about it. They just passed the Great Falls. They're kind of cranky.
1: The deer's like, geez, sorry. Next time you kill and eat me, I'll eat something a little more sweet for you. Yeah.
0: <laughs> what you gotta think. If the deers are talking to them like, so you don't like the way we taste, okay, I'm just gonna eat more of it. Don't eat me. Like, right. no, fine. it's not my problem to feed you. Right. <laughs> Bitter taste being aside, the deer is starting to look, I don't know, a little bit better because now food is is starting to become a little bit, uh, I don't know, less plentiful. So now they do need to rely on those roots that Sacagawea would like to dig up. And because she knew the area, she would be very helpful on which one of these are poisonous, which one of these are nutritious, things like that. So that's what she's doing as Lewis is trying to scare the Shoshones by screaming Tababone. It had been several days without contact with Lewis when, in the third week of August, the expedition uh, were literally starting to walk ahead. So they just get to the end of the Missouri River. So, like, this is also where Lewis finds the Continental Divide. The nature nature laughs at him for a while, and then he continues on. So we're we're at that point. That's where the expedition is now. They're done with the Missouri River. They're starting to walk. And now... They see, I believe it was Druillard. Yes, George Druillard is accompanied by two Shoshone warriors. Sacagawea, carrying little pomp, when she saw the two warriors, starts dancing. And when she turned around to Clark, they, in sign language, she very excitingly said, My people. You can only imagine how big of a boost of morale that had to have given the men. For Sacagawea to not only say, I don't just recognize this landmark. I don't recognize this type of vegetable. Those are my people. I remember them. Yes, these, these, they're mine. They're escorted back to the village when a group of women, including a friend Sacagawea believed was killed in the same raid that Sacagawea was taken captured in. They reunite. And they cry, and they have hugs, and there's kisses, and there's all of that good, all of that good, good mojo's coming. Sacagawea then starts really doing the meat and potatoes of why she's here. She starts doing the translation chain between Charbonneau, and then to Druillard, and then to Lewis and Clark, so on and so forth. Just as that is beginning, Stephen Ambrose writes, quote, Scarcely had had become the cumbersome process when Sacagawea began to stare at Kamehameha suddenly recognizing him her brother she jumped up and ran and embraced him threw her blanket over him and cried profusely biggest coincidence in american history i don't i don't care what anyone says to find her long lost brother (laughs) at a crucial point in the expedition i don't know
1: olive Oatman's brother finding her was pretty crazy
0: Well, like there they had newspapers, like they had resources to come find her because uh, I forget Olive's brother. I want to say Joe. I don't think it's Joe. But when he felt like he survived and he was able to say that Olive was still alive, they didn't didn't have that.
1: Oh, you're right. You're right.
0: So. To just blindly come in, and yet her brother rises to a position of power, he had to believe she was dead. Because honestly, her parents were dead. She just assumed her brother would be dead also. And yet here they are. Brother and sister are finally reunited.
1: Reunited and it feels so good. Quite literally. (laughs)
0: negotiations suddenly just got easier, and the expedition and the Shoshone open up talks for the couple days. They come to terms. Everything's good. The expedition is going to wait a couple days, and they're going to go on. When Lewis becomes incredibly annoyed by Charbonneau, probably not the biggest news flash to anyone, but why is he so annoyed at Charbonneau? Well, it turns out Sacagawea was talking to someone from the Shoshones earlier that morning, and they mentioned that Kameowait was actually planning on taking the horses that they just negotiated for. Kameowait was going to go on a hunting trip back east, effectively abandoning the core of discovery when they absolutely couldn't leave. Sacagawea came exact from that conversation, to Charbonneau, and Charbonneau just kind of sat on that information for a couple of hours. He told them that day, but he wasn't exactly in a hurry to tell them either. Oh, hey!
1: Before before I forget, I I, I uh, heard something the other a uh, couple hey, hours ago.
0: Hey, it was really it was really important. What was it? Um, oh, those incredibly important horses that are life and death for us. Uh, They want to take those out for a hunting trip. Does that sound good? So, yeah, glad I told you that. So, anyway, putting his annoyance to Charbonneau aside, Lewis immediately sends out and talks to Kameiwate along with two other chiefs and requests that they smoke a peace pipe together. Lewis asked, and now again, Lewis doesn't directly go in guns blazing to Kameiwate. He takes the, the calm, we'll call it the guilt trip approach. Lewis asked the Shoshone if they were men of their words, which I'm sure out of the blue was gave zero clue of why they were there. <laughs> the Shoshone suspected the captain knew that they were about to leave, said that the hunting trip, the two other chiefs that were sitting with Kameiwate and Lewis uh, kind of realized they know exactly what Lewis is talking about, and they instantly... Point the finger at Kameoate. It was his idea. We wanted to help you guys, but Kameoate is the one that didn't want. He was he was going to take it. It was all his fault. Kameoate bowed his head and said that he knew it was wrong, but due to his scarce game over the summer, his people were hungry, and it was his responsibility as chief to take care of his people. However, he did tell them that he would keep his word and the expedition, and they would help the expedition across the mountains with the horses. So that's great. Which, to kameo it's a fair argument. But, you gotta think, maybe don't promise you're gonna trade with these men and then abandon them. And then abandon it instantly? Yeah, not not the best look. But he does renege. Get to another point of the expedition where it's like, this could have went horribly wrong. (laughs) Like, there's a lot of Peaks and valleys in this story. Now, the captains probably should have taken that as an omen because of Kameiwaite is already saying that game is scarce. They're now about to go into the mountains. And if you remember, this is where it gets really tough on the expedition. But they go up into the mountains anyway. They start crossing the Bitterroot Mountains and Lewis wrote on the journey, quote, through thickets of which we were obliged to cut a road over rocky hillsides where our horses were perpetual danger of slipping to the train and the disruption up and down the steep hills. With the greatest difficulty and risk, we made seven miles, seven and a half miles for this day. Really slow moving for walking even. Going into the mountains was dangerous as they struggled over the steep hillsides. like we just said. Uh, Seven horses died.
1: Holy crap. Well, Kamehameha's not going to be too happy about that.
0: Well, he did trade them, so they're kind of the expeditions problem now. But yeah, if the horses aren't able to make it. um, Are they? (laughs) Yeah, I think that's the question. When the horses are unable to climb, the men have to carry the load up the hill themselves. On September 4th, the men wake up and, to find their moccasins, had frozen over hard from the night's heavy snow. They run into a small tribe of the Salish, where they're not able to translate for themselves, but the Shoshone boy, who had been taken captive by the tribe, is able to speak to Sacagawea. One more step, and an already complex translation, plus... Quite literally, a child is starting, is starting the translation, right? But because Sacagawea is carrying her child, she's able to com- to convince the Salish that the explorers come in peace, and the Salish agree to swap out a few t- healthy horses for the worn-out ones. So again, they replenish their up to 40 pack horses, uh, plus three colts. And to give you an idea of how hard this was, they the three colts are essentially there as backup food. I know we didn't talk about it much during Lewis's episode. you pretty horse here. Yeah. So, they're taking plenty of horses, but they're already thinking, we need a backup plan, just in case. The party leave the Salish on September 10th, and by September 14th it has already rained, hailed, and snowed. And even worse, do you remember the name of the guide from the Shishama? Um Toby, old, old Toby. Old, old Toby. Yeah, old Toby still uh, still got lost. That didn't change. <laughs> they will now have to journey back for about two days, four days lost in an incredibly difficult terrain where the horses are now four more days worn out than they would have been. Clark would write in his journal, I have been as wet and as cold in every part of my body, in my life, passing eminence, difficult knobs, stones, much failing timber, and immensely steep. Nobody is having fun. They didn't become attached to the horses because uh, three weeks later, they, or three days later, they already kill one to, for, because of lack of food. They were in what Patrick Gass called, quote, the most terrible mountains I ever beheld. Awesome. Yeah. And for frontiersmen to say this, it's it's not great. I think it's very easy to say, like, to really skip over, like, yeah, they're in trouble. They have no food. But, like, outside of, what, the Teton Sioux, outside of, uh, what, almost dying in a gully, grizzly bears. This is probably the most danger that the expedition has been in. Quite literally, it's really dire. Over the next week, over a week after they left the Shoshone, their rations are completely out. It's so bad that they start resorting to eating their candles. We talked about this very briefly, but they're kind of in the same position as the Donner party and then they start killing more horses
1: i mean i eat wax on the regular so it's it's good for you
0: yeah it's so great nutritious uh, uh, and filling too bleh,
1: bleh. i can't imagine
0: being that hungry to look uh, at a candle well
1: not only to be not only to be that hungry but to be that cold to be that wet to be that worn out
0: that is true Imagine being like, all those
1: things and you're like, man, we're gonna be, we're so close. And then your guard go, I took the wrong turn. We have to go back.
0: Oh, I'd kill him.
1: It just would suck because you're walking back the, like you've seen everything already too. So you're walking back like, yep, didn't have to pass that. Yep, didn't <laughs> have to pass that.
0: Old Toby had some real severe side eye going on at him the entire time. ex. Do you think Charbonneau was like happy? Like, finally, I'm not the biggest idiot, right? I'm not the screw up. I'm not the screw up. He, uh, when as soon as
1: uh, old Toby said they went the wrong way, Charbonneau's just like, Sorry, guys, wait, what? It's not
0: me. <gasps> oh, thank god. Thank... Then he starts like, Hey guys, do you remember the good times when I almost just flipped the boat? Wasn't that funny? We can joke about that now, right? Everything's forgiven.
1: Dude, man, they went through some extreme stuff. Like uh, on the river, it was all those mosquitoes and bugs and all that. And then now it's extreme cold and wet. Ugh.
0: And here's Sacagawea, with a month's old child.
1: Right? Oh, uh, they went through. She went through some things. That baby, man, he had some. I mean, he'll never know, but like you'd never remember it. But his first year or two of life was re- really something. Yeah
0: next mission
1: he, he did more things that uh a lot of us haven't done in many in 30 plus years
0: right and you got to think lewis so we just passed the we just passed the part where he negotiated for the horses that's when lewis wrote the the journal entry like what have i done in my life well i guess compared to, to john baptiste john baptiste beats us all right <laughs> First year of his life
1: He's like six years old in school. Oh, uh, what have you done? Well, let me tell you.
0: Just mapped the entire continent. So, as as dire as it is, it's only a week, which still kind of blows my mind. Like they're really, which tells you, like it's really a buildup from the Great Falls, how miserable that is, to the end of the Bitterroot Mountains, or going into the Bitterroot Mountains. It was just a really. It was the hardest time of the expedition. I don't think there's any question of that. But it's only a week that they're in the Bitterroot Mountains before the expedition comes out and they meet with the Nez Perce, who feed them a series of root vegetables, where the men engorge themselves to the point of dysentery. With the expedition incapacitated, the Nez Perce literally negotiate on if they can just, you know, kill the expedition and take all their goods luckily for them, Watchkui steps in and they don't. After the Nez Perce decide not to kill the expedition, they completely flip their intentions and now they're arguably the most helpful tribe on to the expedition as they're going to show them how to use fire to cut out canoes, they're going to send scouts ahead to let people know that you can trust these men that are coming through. Generally, Really helpful when they were quite literally going to kill them a couple hours before. With the help of the Nez Perce and Sacagawea's presence, the Corps of Discovery have a rapid and uneventful journey really through the Pacific Northwest. Clark would write of Sacagawea, quote, A woman with a party of men is a token of peace, and gives her credit for most of the good relations. As they are now jumping on the Columbia River, and for the first time they are now have the 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 current at their backs. They flew. It had to have felt like flying. Really, they were only going like 30 miles a day, but that had to feel like you were flowing. I mean, from longer. going
1: seven to ten miles a day, they were
0: like right? <laughs> I don't know how many seat belts there were in the canoe, but they had to fasten them.
1: Slow down, sir, slow down.
0: Six days after a breach on the Columbia, they meet a band of snake Indians near near the present day. Uh, I think it's just Pasco, Washington. I'm sorry if I butchered that, if anyone's listening from there, but they got to there. They're in Washington state. The expedition is now encouraged as they start to find goods like trade goods from tribes. Some of those goods are now starting to include copper. which means. European traders have been here before. Even more. (laughs) This is just funny. Even more of a, uh, I don't know, proof that they're dealing with Europeans. The tribes show them uh, how well they know English by saying things like, son of a bitch. They literally start cursing at them. (laughs) Cursing aside the impatient men now are taking risks that they wouldn't normally take the year before. The waters are incredibly rough, and in these cutout canoes, they're just going down rafts that they have no business going down to the point where tribes are lining out miles ahead. They're going to the banks of the river ready to just pick up any type of uh, overflow. So when they did, when the canoes did capsize, that they would just pick up Any of the trade goods, which had to be really bittersweet for them when they actually see them, the men made it down the river, but also they couldn't just pick up their stuff and walk away. Meanwhile, again, if we haven't mentioned it, Sacagawea still has a baby on her back. Who has to also endure as these men are going down these rapids at times that they probably shouldn't have. By November 2nd, in Washington State, they are now officially on map territory again. They travel a couple more days, making now 30 miles a day, when Clark writes on November 5th that they are now seen in the same area as white traders. The weather, the weather isn't all that cooperative, but they're getting close. On November 7th, William Clark finally wrote in his journal, Ocean in View, Oh the Joy now still premature but honestly
1: i'd be breathing a sigh of relief
0: oh i'm sure they were because there's even this is the part in uh in clark's journal it's just kind of funny because you just get this sense that they all just take a steep breath because clark says ocean and view oh the joy for like the next couple of pages of the journal clark just gets a case of the o's like Oh, isn't this great? Oh, this is a great feeling. Like he just, he really has that phrase stuck in his, in his, uh, in his head. It's actually, he just wakes up every morning. Oh, what a beautiful morning.
1: Oh, what a beautiful day. I love that idea. (laughs) The, uh, he puts out his finger and a little bird flies on it. Good morning, little bird. (laughs)
0: a singing William Clark makes me so happy. Oh, that happened. Everyone write that down in your history books. That happened. Clark was now just singing everywhere he went. Now, again, it was a bit premature. They actually had to go about 30 miles because they're really just in a gigantic bay, but they traveled in 30 miles the next day and they reached the ocean. But for whatever reason, uh, they don't take Sacagawea to go see the official ocean. And you got to think she was probably a little bit bitter about it.
1: Really? She goes on this whole journey and then they're like, no, 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 no. Not for you.
0: Nope. Nope. Boys only mm-hmm. can't do it now to, to defend them. Getting to the actual beach of the Pacific ocean is real tough. This isn't like in Almost Heroes when Chris Farley rides an eagle down and splashes (laughs) in the ocean. There's really steep ridges, really tough terrain. So you can see why they wouldn't want to take Sacagawea and, again, their very young son. On the other hand, why does this suddenly matter now?
1: (laughs) Now it becomes too dangerous.
0: Now, yeah, now, in which case, I don't know if Sacagawea rolled her eyes, but I bet she did this day. Now this is where you're making this decision? Oh, okay, great. Now it's too dangerous. Not the rapids that you nearly killed me on. Not the grizzly bears. Not my idiot husband trying to drown me twice in a not river. Not the gully. Not the gully. Now this. Not Steve, bleeding me. Yeah, (laughs) you MFers almost killing me, but this steep hills. Yeah, so dangerous. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. I'd be furious. So anyway. Only like a a few men end up going to the beach that day. The rest just kind of hang out thinking that it's we're, we're close enough. Now you will remember that the weather wasn't particularly uh, great. Now, it's not cold like it was the winter before at Fort Mandan, but it's just wet. Everything is wet. The wood, their clothes, to the point where their clothes are even molding, like, and just destroying themselves. On November 22nd, it was written that the wind increased to a storm, Blue with violence, throwing the water in the river with immersed waves out of its banks, uh, almost overwhelming the water. Oh, how horrible it is this day. Take a guess who wrote that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Do you want to sing it? Do you? (laughs) I'm good. I'm good this time. I'm good this time. So now this is where they need to decide where they need to stay for the winter. There's three decisions. They can... Stay with the nearby Clatsop Indians. They can cross the river with a... Basically, they can cross the river to the south side where they can collect salt. Better view of the ocean so they can see a steamship or not a steamship. Those don't exist for a while yet. (laughs) Whoopsie. Uh, They can see a trading vessel or uh, they can go up the the Pacific. Uh, They can go up the Columbia for a bit. Really, to me, there's only... One decision, of course, you're going to go to the place where you can see the trading ship because you uh, they're broke at this point. They really need a trading vessel. And remember, that's also plan B or plan A to get the journals back to Jefferson as they would send them on a trading vessel. So they take this wonderful vote that I am not particularly high on, but it's fine. They all vote on where they're going to stay, where York, Sacagawea, Everyone gets a vote, and they vote to stay on the south side of the bank where they're going to see the trading vessel. I ruined that moment again for everyone. I'm very, very sorry. While they build their winter quarters, the captains begin finalizing the map that they just created that for the first time will connect the Pacific Ocean to St. Louis, Missouri. That's what the captains are working on. The men... Well, outside of building, they need to hunt. And what they can find is elk. And elk. And when they can't find elk, they find elk. (laughs) That's all they eat for weeks at a time. To the point where they even, uh, well, they kill a horse because they're sick of elk. But then they also start eating dog.
1: Jeez. They're that sick of elk?
0: They're that sick of elk, which considering how bad it was in the Bitterroot Mountains, uh, I don't feel that terrible. <laughs> I understand wanting to have some variety in their in their diet. And Sakajue is able to find some roots here and there to do that, but come on. Like, do we do we need to be killing dogs? Like, is that what that what we need to do? Now semen's fine. They're not gonna eat semen.
1: Right. <laughs> Too salty.
0: why did you have to phrase it like that you know why (laughs) i don't know why do you want to explain Uh, not in detail (laughs) (laughs) we're gonna have to put an explicit on this episode if we do so they're so desperate for something else that they get really excited when they hear that a whale washes up on a beach. Woo, whale! Yum. This whale wasn't new. They, by the because they're obviously like thirty miles from it, uh, so they have to go and get it. So they get all excited to go get to this whale. So they actually take a vote on who would like to come with. And Sacagawea probably, like, really raising her hand, like, I'm going this time. I don't care what you say. I'm going to see the ocean. You MFers are going to take me. And they do. And after about a day or so of journey, they get to the beach, only to find the whale was pretty well stripped of everything. A native tribe, I believe, called the Telehook? Is that what they were? I didn't. Oh, I didn't write them down. I think they were the Telehook. Tillamook. Tillamook. That's what it was. The Tillamook tribe had basically stripped the carcass of everything. But Sacagawea got to see the ocean. Then they found the natives. They traded. They got some blubber. They got they got some stuff. And They, they got there. some
1: stuff.
0: Uh, that really kind of is... Uh, that's the highlight of the winter. A lot of eating elk, a lot of map making. Uh, yeah, there really wasn't much to report at Fort Clapsup, which is the, what they ended up calling their, their winter quarters. Other than they tried to not eat elk as much as possible, they also failed to see a trading vessel to send the journals home in advance. The tone of the expedition, uh, however, is not different. They're just now incredibly homesick. They have been on the road or on the river, they've been traveling for two years. Anything they can do to get home faster, they're going to do. Only now they're going to be increasingly more annoyed by tribes and their asking prices. Not only asking prices as far as bartering, because remember, that the core of discovery. Lewis described that they had enough for two handkerchiefs worth. Like, really nothing to trade. So, not having that trading vessel really does hurt them. But the tribes are also continuously stealing from them. We talked in Lewis's episode, but when semen is taken from Lewis, he is ready to burn down a village. When he returns from getting his dog back, he finds out that they had stolen an axe where if Lewis would have found the natives that stole the axe, he would have put them to death. Completely different vibe on the way back. Tone shift aside, the expedition takes off from Fort Clapsup in uh, about April 1806, and by June 1806, they reached the Nez Perce, where again, if you remember from Lewis's episode, they stashed a lot of supplies, but more importantly, the horses that they would need on the journey back. They reach back to the nest purse who very annoyingly tell them that there's too much snow in the mountains and they're not going to be able to cross for three weeks. During that time, the captains uh, try to push up once or twice, realize that the nest purse are not lying to them, that they not are going to be able to pass, and then they come back. They then, while they're waiting, decide that they're going to split up for Really, a big chunk of the journey back. Clark takes the Yellowstone River, basically back to the mouth of the Knife River. Lewis goes up, and that's when he starts talking with the Blackfeet. He's almost attacked. It's that we're at that point of the journey. Sacagawea and Charbonneau end up traveling back with Clark.
1: I would assume so, since Lewis hated his guts.
0: <laughs> I think it was a pretty easy decision. On July 18th, near White Beaver Creek in south-central Montana, Charbonneau gallop, galloped off to pursue buffalo when his horse stepped on a badger hole and Charbonneau flew over head over heels his horse, bruising his hip, shoulder, and his face, which I bet was real, real funny. <laughs> There's really no reason for me to add that other than I think it would be really funny to see him very bruised up. I think it would just be funny. Later that day, Private George Gibson uh, fell from his steed, causing a pretty severe two-inch uh, gash into his thigh. So, while that really matters is that they just decide to alter courses, and they're now just going to mm, basically use canoes for the rest of the journey. Uh, there's no more risk-taking. After Charbonneau goes head over heels, and now Gibson hurts himself, they're just going to take take the Yellowstone River for the most part as they continue down the Yellowstone River it's really not as eventful as Lewis's branch which makes you think like lewis was either a magnet for really awesome stories or clark was just more of like the even keel he just maybe not didn't write as much of those details down but not much happens on clark's leg of uh, when they split up except Clark ends up finding what is now called Pompey's Tower. And why that's important is because Clark goes inside this very tall uh, plateau. And he actually writes his name, W. Clark, July 25th, 1806. He carves that into stone. Now, we talked about in Lewis's episode that they had written something like that, similar on the Pacific, into a tree. Well, obviously, trees are going to grow And that's going to erase Clark writing this in stone means it is the only physical inscription that still survives from the, from the core of discovery. And all it says is W. Clark, July 25th, 1806. As far as I'm
1: concerned, he's the only one that went on the journey. If only.
0: (laughs) Right. I would like to think underneath and really tiny, like he brought out the little chisel and he just said, it was just me. (laughs) Why is it named Pompey's Tower? Don't mind that. It was just me. So Yeah, you can you can go visit that today. It's the actual inscription is protected by bulletproof glass. Uh, Yeah, go visit it. I haven't seen it myself. Seems kind of cool. I do want to go see it, but there you go there's your proof that the whole thing actually happened in case you were some type of weird conspiracy theorist that needed that. After Clark leaves his description onto Pompey's tower, Lewis and Clark meet back up on August 12th near the Yellowstone where the Yellowstone meets the, the knife river. And about two days later, they actually return to the Mandan villages. As far as, Saccagewea, and Charbonneau are concerned, the journey's over because they are quite literally, they are home. They pay Charbonneau $500. Uh, they then pay him for his horse, a teepee, and then his services. Clark then has an offer to Charbonneau to actually start his new life in the States, where Charbonneau said he, quote, had no acquaintance or prospects of ha- of making a living below, but would continue to live his way as he had done. They're really not that interested, in which case, fair enough, because Charbonneau had never really been to St. Louis. He had been living in the wilderness for most of his life. Sacagawea, absolute same thing, only her entire life. What is she going to do in the United States? But Clark is going to reserve some land for him that Charbonneau is eventually going to claim. Then the conversation switched to Jean Baptiste, who is now 19 months old, who has not been weaned, but Clark really kind of fell in love with this little boy to the point where Clark offers to take pomp to raise him as his own child, to give him the education, to give him everything of an American citizen, which honestly, pretty good opportunity. Now, they're going to decline for now, but eventually they are going to send John Baptiste to get that education. But for now, they're going to keep, they're going to hold on to the young boy. In Lewis's final examination, he wrote that Charbonneau was, quote, no man of particular merit from one moment of our departure from the Mandans on August 7th, 1805, until our return to this place of August last. Awfully cold, isn't it? <laughs> you have Clark, who was like, I love you guys. I will watch your child. I will adopt him. And then you have Lewis. He is worth nothing. He is nothing to me. <laughs> you are nothing. I mean, he hated him. <laughs> he did not like him at all, which. I don't know where I stand on that. We can talk about that in just a couple minutes. But then you also have people like George Druyard, who would wrote something very different on Charbonneau. Druyard, again, the one who kind of shaved uh, Charbonneau the first time the boat flipped over, he described Charbonneau as, quote, a man of much merit. He had been particularly useful from his knowledge and common language of justice collateral. Upon his uncommon skill as a hunter-woodsman, through several duties, he performed in good faith and was an order he deserved the highest commendation. So Charbonneau is somewhere between an absolute moron and really, really good. Also keep in mind, the source I used, I don't want to say he was a Charbonneau fanboy,
1: but he was a Charbonneau fanboy.
0: <laughs> but he was kind of a Charbonneau fanboy. So Drew Yard did say this. This is legitimately sourced. But I I just don't see it. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. As the expedition goes back, Charbonneau and Sacagawea uh, stay in the Mandan villages. And the reason I'm saying that probably for the third time is because uh, not nothing else is really written about them. Until uh, 1809, they bring John baptiste to be baptized in St. Louis. And then they leave John baptiste to be cared for for Clark. They then head back up the Missouri River to live near the Mandans, where the couple gives birth to a daughter named Lisette. A woman only identified as Charbonneau's wife, but is believed to be Sacagawea. Then dies three years later.
1: Dang, I didn't see that coming. (laughs) Real quick. So she was 15, 22, 23.
0: Uh, She was about 25 years old. She died supposedly at Fort Manuel in modern day Millbridge, South Dakota. It said that someone died. Again, they just said Charbonneau's wife. Now, if you remember... He had two wives. He had two wives, but they didn't say which wife it was. It is believed it was Sacagawea, but she died of a putrid fever on December 20th and was described as, quote, a good woman, the best in the fort, and was 25 years old. However... Quite easily. Many people don't buy it. They believe it was the other wife. So depending on who you want to believe, Sacagawea either died at 25 or she ended up living among the Comanches with another family and then the Shoshones and then died in Wyoming in 1884. A little older, a little bit older. You know, just 80 something years old.
1: We'll never know. Really
0: close. You really won't. I think What happened to
1: John Baptiste? Or will we get that in the Clarks episode?
0: uh, I do have some of that in the Clarks episode, but there's really not much. John Baptiste ended up being kind of an explorer. If you go with the second version, he actually outlived John Baptiste uh, for a while. Uh, He ends up being, I believe, oh, I'm trying to remember back. I also lost the copy of my source too. So the source that I've been hammering this whole time, I can't find that. Uh, that's about the only thing written on John Baptiste. If I remember right, he became a traitor, kind of followed in his father's footsteps. And I believe he died around, I believe the Shoshone is so around the Pacific Northwest.
1: And you said Clark outlived him.
0: No, no, Clark. No, no, no. John Baptist. No, they believe if you believe Sacagawea didn't die at 25. Oh, she then outlived she
1: outlived her son, John Baptiste Gotcha.
0: But in all likelihood, I think she just died at 25 years old. So, quite literally, she this is what she accomplished. So, real sudden ending to the episode, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> And now we must rank her. First round, are you satisfied? This is our biography round. We're going to be handing out ten point negative ten points apiece to positive ten points apiece, depending on how well we liked your story.
1: Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna start by my score. I'm gonna say uh six because a. Not a lot's known about her early life. B, her story is mainly the core of discovery, that whole journey. That's why she's known. That's like what her significance to American history is. And then C, unfortunately, she had a very early death. So like she lived in this very, very short window that we can't really, unfortunately, I think because of how like her life started, you know, where she um got captured and then sold and everything, she wasn't really able to live this like adventurous life. And her husband was the absolute worst. So <laughs> I'm, I'm in Lewis's camp. Be gone, you Shoo. So, I think that if it weren't for the core of discovery, we wouldn't even know who she was and they would have lived in North Dakota or whatever. And life would have happened.
0: Yep. Yeah. I think that's fair. Um, that's actually higher than what I was going to go. And mainly because now I love the core discovery. Both gave Meriwether Lewis a 10. So why aren't we giving Sacagawea a 10? Cause you, I would argue That making a map and then being in charge of 30 men, that's very impressive. But to be in charge of an infant, which is, honestly, that's where all our points are going to come from. To do all of that, but with a child, is incredibly impressive.
1: And it's like this. Another thing, maybe why I didn't enjoy it as much. We saw another side to the story. I mean, we saw another perspective of the story, but it just wasn't, it didn't have the same, I guess, power behind it. Like you said, though, I mean, it's crazy that she even want, or well, she had to, but why would you bring an infant on this, like, dangerous adventures beyond me? Like, that just proves that her dad, or uh, Charbonneau, is an absolute trash can. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I get it. It was worth a lot of money. Like they made what $500 I think at the end. Yeah. Was that worth a two year journey though? (laughs) You get paid $250 a year. She got nothing.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's just it. I was, I was going to say one, I was going to say two things. One, I guess it was only a year for her, which doesn't matter. And then two, yeah, she didn't get any of that money. Did she? What I will say though, uh, You've heard Sacagawea a hell of a lot more than you've heard of Charbonneau, which right? Is great. Yep,
1: which is great. I mean, like you said, they had a, a, a gold dollar coin. My dad used to collect them, like, uh, not collect them, but like, uh, to like, quote unquote, save, you know. He'd go to the bank every week and get like $20 in Sacagawea coins because in America, you don't have much change. No one likes carrying change around, so... That's why it's easier to. It was easier to like have a quote unquote piggy bank of dollar coins,
0: Sacagawea coins.
1: Right. You still
0: see one of those once in a while. Do, uh, I, I wonder.
1: Old. Let me let me Google quick when they stop making them.
0: Yeah, because for sure they're they're still in circulation, but I I doubt they're minting them anymore.
1: They stopped making them in. It says not minted for general circulation between 2002 to 2008 and again from 2012 onward. So they stopped making them in 2002, started back up in 2008 and then stopped again in 2012.
0: Yeah. Which, when you think of it, we don't know what she looks like. So that's just. just I mean, the coin is very
1: generic. It's a very generic photo. Right. So, but I will say the baby's on her back.
0: Yep. Baptiste. Baptiste. Jean Baptiste. He's right there. Cool. So as far as a score, I'm probably I'm gonna go four. Um I wow. I would argue the feat is just the feat is just as impressive. It's just I don't know. I don't know why I'm so sour on it. Probably because of Jean Baptiste. Or maybe, you know, there's, there's parts of her story that make me feel real icky.
1: Yep. None of it her
0: fault. None of it her fault. But no, 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 I can see if people are upset over that score. That's fine. Tell me, tell me I'm wrong. And yeah. Just be nice about it. Don't. <laughs> it's an arbitrary number. But yeah, uh, that brings her overall score for Are You Satisfied to 10? Next round, be sure you are right. Then go ahead. This is our morality round. We're going to give a handout between negative 10 points piece and positive 10 points piece, depending on if, well, we thought she was a good person. I
1: mean, yeah.
0: Yeah, but what what evidence is like, yeah.
1: There's nothing that says she was a bad person, but she could have been. I mean, we don't
0: know. I think, like, I almost want to twist this. Maybe I could do it with the next round. I almost want, because, like, personal bravery, right up there. Like, she seemed very calm, cool, collected. I don't think that has anything to do with morality, so maybe this just isn't her round, and I'm trying to ramble to fill up the space, but... I'm
1: gonna do, like, a... I I mean, I think she was. I mean, she helped save, you know, the journals and the boat and whatnot, have you, but... Is that morality,
0: though? I think we're thinking of the next round. I think we jumped around. Okay.
1: Okay, so as far as, like, was she moral? I'm gonna do, like, a three, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I put down a
0: two. Uh, I'm sure she was great. There's just really nothing that's known about her. Like, there's really there's not that. There's much
1: no anything. stories that say one way or the other, right? So, like, well, I don't know though. we should lower it because she did conspire with Lewis to kill her husband. <laughs> that's right. That has been
0: definitively made. <laughs> However, it was Charbonneau, so maybe we give her more points because right, right. right. We actually,
1: <laughs> yeah, we got to raise the points, yeah. <laughs>
0: All right, I I put down a two before you even said yours. So overall score of five. Next round to hell with the consequences this is our crazy or clever round. We're going to be handing out negative ten points apiece to positive ten points apiece, depending if we thought she was crazy or more clever.
1: Again, I'm going to say like a three. Yeah, because I mean, she had the sense, the the wherewithal to like not to stay calm and. Stay cool in like really crappy situations
0: right and I also wonder like is it a lot of what she's more of a symbol on the expedition more than she is person if that makes I know that sounds harsh but hear me out if because she is a woman with a child does that make her personal crazy or clever it doesn't it just means she was the perfect symbol of the time so the score may not reflect what her actual importance was because she's absolute key for that middle portion of the of the journey which was the most dangerous point i just don't think any of our rounds reflect that right other than maybe are you satisfied so right. I I don't think there's anything we got if she was crazy or clever. I I just don't know if this is the right scoring rounds for her. So I, I'm going to stick with my two, which will give her, uh, with your three, another five. So going into draw... Uh, First, we're going to lock her score. She is at positive 20 points. If she had been at negative 20 points, we would continue to subtract points from here on out. But because she's positive, we're going to continue to add. Next round is draw. How screwed are we if we got into a a duel with Sacagawea? Zero. I just
1: don't think we would. I I mean, she's my child.
0: (laughs) I'm going to go 0.5. (laughs) <laughs> i'm gonna go 0.5 just because um she had to be mentally tough so if she's mentally tough she might be able to i don't know could be yeah that's all i really have though she's not really obviously not intimidating so no reason to give her a high score here next round actually this might be her round legacy how well known is is Sacagawea from 0 to 10? I'm going to say like an 8. I think yeah. she was.
1: I think she is. I mean, we just looked up her coin quite a bit. Right. <laughs> anyone born from, you know, anyone around in, you know, 99 to 2012 should have at least seen a coin. What I will say. She's talked 30. about always with. hmm.
0: There is no Sitting Bull coin, right? So if we if we're just going strict name recognition, is Sacagawea up there with Sitting Bull and Crazy Horse? I think so. I think. I think if you ask someone who's
1: Sacagawea is, they would say, "Yeah, of course."
0: Actually, we have. This is going to be a very impromptu message because. Calling your wife right now. No, 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 no. Lucy (laughs) from Tutoriferous has volunteered to be this person for us. So Lucy, if you are not aware, is, oh, actually it's midnight there. I'm going to ask her later. We're going to give you an update. But Lucy has volunteered to be the default uh, do I know this person. (laughs) 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 because <laughs> 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 apparently we bring up britain quite a bit so i'm gonna message her later maybe we'll just down the next episode we'll just say okay. if lucy okay so hold on if lucy let's, recognizes just, her.
1: let's let's just put this round on pause for right
0: now <laughs> let's see if she's up because it's we're recording at like 6 40 p.m which means in uh in britain
1: it's got to be like
0: it's, it's no like it's, it's way
1: later isn't it no it's way later isn't it five hours 1140 she might still be up do you need to know how to spell the name
0: (laughs) you know me so well uh (laughs) no so i've sent the message probably not going to get done before we get done recording actually when she responds let's just add it to the end of the episode why not okay
1: yeah so we'll we'll
0: see what she says but if she responds in the time that we are recording we'll let everyone know uh so anyway you give her a good score of eight I think that's fine. What are some others? So do you think Red Cloud? Do you think she's more well-known than Red Cloud? I do. What did we give Red Cloud? You gave Red Cloud a four. I gave him a seven. I do think Sakajuiya is more well-known than Red Cloud. So by that, I'm going to go seven and a half, which is actually higher than what I was going to give. Because she's...
1: I just asked my work group chat if anyone knew who Red Cloud was.
0: Red Cloud or Sacagawea?
1: I'm going to say Red Cloud because if they say no, I know for a fact at least one of them knows who Sacagawea is.
0: All right. Fair enough. All right. While we're waiting for those answers, right now her score sits at 15.5. Can be updated, though. Next round, death bonus. Does she have a cool death story? And. There's some mystery. There's some tantalizing things, but no. no. if if we're really fee and generous, we go 0.5 because there's a mystery.
1: There's some mystery behind who was it? Calamity Jane, was it? Or um, there was another figure we did where they could, all of
0: them.
1: Like Billy, the kid, uh, Billy, the kid. Jesse James James died.
0: (laughs) Yeah. There's still those rumors though. If you're popular, there's there's likely a death conspiracy because even like Wild Bill Elvis Tupac Biggie like
1: and if you're popular you're not dead when you die.
0: I think this is the first time Calamity Jane Billy the Kid and then Tupac have ever been mentioned in the same same breath. I I don't think we would do it. Can I think it's worth half of a point. Between us. <laughs> so if you're going to go zero, I will go half a point because there is some mystery on if she lived. But honestly, there, there's not much to go on, is there? Not at all. So you're going zero. Do you disagree with the point five? Because you can sway me.
1: Uh, it's fine. The mystery is okay. I get what you're saying with the mystery. And there, it really is. This is the first one I think that it's like not definitive for
0: 100%. A legitimate coin flip. Like, right. This yeah. This one might have happened. Billy, he the had kid, two wives. He had two wives. He did. The, there's an argument. Billy the kid, he's just dead. I mean, I, there's yes. You know, it's great. I saw Old Henry. It's a good movie, but Billy the kid was dead. Have you seen Old Henry? I have not. It's pretty i good. actually never even heard of it. It was a Western, came out a couple of years ago. Pretty good. You should watch it. I just kind of blew what it was about, but honestly, you know. What enemy is Billy the Kid? Spoiler alert. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Everyone who's watching this probably seen it. If not, go see it. It's good. It's worth watching. Uh, next round, Counting Coup, confirmed-ish kills and divided by 10. And I, uh, there's just nothing. That's one thing. Zero. So that brings Sacagawea's score to 36.5. 36.5. Which isn't the best score. It's probably one of our lowest. But when you're considering she was 15 or 15 to 18 years old, it's a lot higher than I would do at 15 or 18 years old. Right. So now we need to draft her.
1: As you all know, Eric's gonna flip a coin. The winner of the coin toss will get to choose if they draft Sacagawea into their team. Both teams, Eric and I have, are twenty people. Uh We each have currently have ten apiece right now. The or actually, Eric has eleven because he got lewis. Um did. dang it. Um but at the end we're going to go my team versus his team head to head bracket style. The rest of the figures will go into a free uh free agent pool where we can drop and add up until the tournament. Eric, flip that coin.
0: Heads. Uh tails. I'm going to draft her. Okay. But I don't think she's going to be on a team at the end. I was going to
1: say, I was going to say if I won the coin, uh, the coin toss, I was going to say I'm passing. Um, Or if you were going to pass, I was going to pick her up, but say as soon as our teams are filled, she will probably be the numero uno to be
0: dropped. Yeah. Which isn't a reflection on her. She no. did the journey. We loved Lewis. But yeah, um, I could see her playing a spoiler to someone. Right. And would you You know, you would, no. you would just have to, you would have to pick. So, like, let's just pretend Tenskwatawa has a chance on your team. If I would match up Sakajui and Tenskwatawa, that's a fair fight in my eyes, or that's the fairest fight I can pick out for her. Um, I just, I don't know. I, it sounds like we're being harsh on her and we're not. It's just,
1: I mean, it's just her. She didn't have
0: a lot of time. She was right. only on the earth for 25 years. And there's only so, and we said it a lot, but like, there's only so many ways you can say, uh, she was a teenager with a child and went on an incredibly dangerous journey over the course of a year. Anyway. Um, I think that's all we have in Sacajouia. I was going to do just a small, small update. I don't think this will matter anything podcast related, but um, you will notice I the the website hasn't been updated in a couple of weeks. Well, there's there's a good reason for that. Um, Eric has been a busy boy over the course of July when he thought he would have a lot more time. Uh, it turns out my August is also going to be pretty busy because i'm also transferring jobs same company just a little bit shorter commute for me yes we did it so um i might not update the episodes i'm gonna try to get stuff updated as i can just know um i i have to push the website to the to the background for a bit just so we can keep episodes going out Uh, i still also want to research and do all that other stuff so uh Yeah, that's all I have.
1: Remember, if you like what you heard today, go ahead and like and subscribe. Leave us a comment on whatever podcast service you are listening on. Uh, We really appreciate it. And you can always check out our website, ranking76.wordpress.com, where you will find a link to all of our social media, our email. You can see the scorecards. You can check out the other episodes you may have missed. Um, We really appreciate it. And until next time. I'm Eric. And I'm Matt. Hasta luego.
0: Are you just going to say no in a different language every time?
1: (laughs) A baby.